So before we jump into the episode, a quick disclaimer. While I was talking, I was saying physician's assistant with an S at the end of physician. However, the right way of saying it is physician assistant, no S at the end. With that being said, enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the PT Lounge. This is episode four. I'm here to do interviews with healthcare providers to learn about their life and their career. On this episode, I have my friend Sammy, who's a physician's assistant. So welcome on to the podcast. I appreciate you for coming on. Thank you. I'm still a student. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, She's a physician's yeah. assistant student. Um, first, let's just talk about who you are and what do you do. Okay. Um, so my name's Sammy. I'm currently a second-year PA student. Um, I'm on my uh, rotation year right now, so just going through different um, places, different specialties, um, and I think that's mainly it, like uh, what PA school is like right now, trying to balance my life whenever I have time to study because we have exams going on. Then we have to start prepping for our boards. So just stuff like that. Yeah. So you're reaching the end of your schooling, right? Yeah. So there's like six more months left, I believe, because we end around like Halloween time. And our, our program's kind of like two and a half years, like 27, 28 months. Okay. So almost done. Almost. But I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm almost done. Yeah. You're almost so, there. Yeah. Let's talk about how you got to where you are now. What's the journey been like getting to PA mm-hmm. school? Um, so I did undergrad here in Las Vegas at UNLV. Um, so initially at first, what happened was like, everybody's like in biology, right? As a major, cause you don't know, like, do I want to be in pre-med, dental, like pre-PA, like, you know, other like medical professions out there. Mm-hmm. So before I started undergrad, like a lot of me, like my high school friends and I were like, okay, let's go to med school. Like, let's like just do biology and then go from there. And then when I did undergrad, like my first two years, I was kind of like, is this what I want? Because a lot of people in my program, like, the stereotyping is kind of, like, very cutthroat. Everyone's, like, very, like, you know, studying by themselves, trying to, like, ace everything. And you're kind of, like, one-upping up each other. And I didn't like that. So I was like, do I want to spend, like, four years of med school with, like, this kind of cutthroat atmosphere? Not right. saying, like, the people, because, you know, people are really nice. You just don't know. Yeah. But it's just that atmosphere. Like, am I going to be okay with it? Am I going to, you know, suffocate or anything like that? Um, and then I ventured out into like the PA field. And so how I first started like getting to know about PAs um, is actually through my primary care provider. So I didn't see like the doctor I usually saw. I saw somebody else and she was like really nice. And so I kind of like asked her about it because I did research beforehand. Um, and then she told me what she was doing. So physician assistants, basically like you see your own patients, you help with treatment plans. You're basically like a collaborator with your physician. Um, they are your supervising um, physician, though, as well. Um, so you kind of, like, work with them as a team member, trying to make, like, the best possible, like, therapeutic p- uh, plan for your patients going from there. So I kind of like that because you can basically have flexibility as well for PAs to do um, any specialty you want to, kind of, like, learn more in each specialty if you like. Um, so, oh, my gosh, I'm going off board. So basically why I chose PA was because of the flexibility yep. um, and being able to learn more. Because, you know, life doesn't just stop at like, okay, you know this and I'm just going to stop here. And I think learning is very fun and you just get to basically like venture out into exploring what you can do and gain more skills. And that's what I really like about PAs. Um, Moreover, like other professions, just that type of like um, aspect really interests me. So that's how I kind of started going into like the pre-PA field and like doing my prereqs at UNLV um, and then doing more uh, extracurricular and then I opened a, well, I didn't open. I worked with other classmates that was at school with me and we kind of 
uh, created this club, like pre-PA club at UNLV, because oh, nice. we didn't have that at all. And it was just like pre-med clubs. So like if you're in pharmacy, like dental, like everybody's pretty been, general. Like, yeah. yeah, pretty general. So I kind of wanted one specifically for us. So just so like anybody who was lost like us could know like what's going on, like what prereqs do I need? Um, what should I do? Like what shadowing experiences do I need? And we also need clinical hours. So just kind of like being able to help anyone answer those questions will help them along their journey as well of what we went through. Um, just to help as a guide. Yeah, gotcha. So yeah. through all that process, you kind of figured out you wanted to do PA. Mm-hmm. What was the process like picking a graduate school? So there's a lot, actually. So it was kind of hard. And I think I picked the programs based on location. Um, so I want to stay on like the West Coast, like California, Nevada, like maybe Pacific Northwest in the future. So mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to do more programs just on you know, like our side of the country. Right, yeah. And then I applied to any selected few that was in the East Coast. Um, and it really depends on your prereqs because every program's different. Some would be like, oh, I want you to have like one year of Spanish. And then some would be like, I want you to take a whole year of biochem. And then some are like just one semester of biochem. So it really depends on like what programs yeah. you want to look into. And if you want to do like a two and a half year versus a two year versus a three year program. Oh, so there's more. Yeah like accelerated yeah there are accelerated uh, programs but i wouldn't know specifically like what the two-year programs are like compared to like mine which is two and a half yeah because some don't have a cadaver lab course which kind of expedite the process of like learning but some do still have it does yours have a cadaver yeah 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 so during our first session we kind of like and i think that's really important to have because in pt school our first summer we just did cadavers Mm -hmm. and that really set the basis of understanding what the body's like and as a medical professional, we're dealing with people all day. So I think it's an important to have that. Did you feel like that made a, a difference in your curriculum as a PA yeah. student? Well, I think at first it did because, you know, like when you first start off school, like I think I don't know if PT school is the same, but you basically do kind of like your prereqs again. So like your anatomy, your physiology, yeah. mm-hmm. like neuroscience, like the whole shebang. Right. Yeah. So kind of like learning everything again. So I think it kind of helps you learn like, okay, well, I'm going through this system right now and we're going to have this in cadaver lab. So it kind of helps you like reflect like, oh, okay, this makes sense because the liver's on this side or the spleen's on this side. And yeah. then it kind of makes sense like where all the arteries are connected or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it did help in a way, but I think we have it like once a week. So then we just go back in anytime, our own time when it's still open. Yeah. Just to go back in and look through it again before we have like practicals and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I always think about whenever I'm dealing with a patient that has any sort of liver issues is sometimes I forget where the liver is. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so I always think about, I still remember when I was um, doing the dissection for the liver mm-hmm. and I remember w- which direction that the, ca- the cadaver was facing. And so it's, it's pretty odd. I always think about the cadavers whenever I think about like yeah. uh, when I treat patients with different organ mm-hmm. uh, failures. But OK, so you you decided to apply for graduate school. What what are some of the most important things that matter to you? Uh, for me, it was kind of where the location was, how much the school was, mm-hmm. the faculty what are some of those things mm-hmm. that were important? Um, so for me, like I basically like grew up doing a lot of like community service. So I wanted to go to a program that kind of like gives back to his community. So um, I'm going to Toro right now. So Toro has like a mobile health clinic where you basically venture out into the community um, and help those who, you know, don't have insurance or any care. So you basically go and see them to see how they're doing and kind of help out from there. Um, so it's kind of like similar to street medicine. So I kind of want to venture out into that because when you're when you become a clinician or a provider, you don't just see like one population. You see the overall 
Mm-hmm. And so I felt like Toro gives you an opportunity to be able to see all different aspects of what the population could be. Because, you know, it kind of helps you grow your communication skills um, set, you know, just to make sure you kind of learn how, you know, to have empathy, like being able to figure out like what their needs are based on, you know, like their socioeconomic status, um, what we can do, because every person is different. So you want to personalize a plan that's good for them. So I feel like Toro kind of helps you set up like a good way to, you know, figure out what you can do as a clinician, you know, like when you graduate, because I feel like that's really important to be able to be, you know, like staying humble, being able to know, like, you're not just seeing like, just one set of a population like it's there's just so much out there it's so diverse and you know like southern nevada is always in need of new providers and i think toro's providing a good connection for us kind of like dip our toes in there so we know what we're getting into and how like it's the most effective way to help them yeah Yeah. definitely did does toro have an interview process that you learned about these programs in in the school like wait can you Kind of like okay. for so for UNLV, mm-hmm. um, we go through an interview process where we go in person mm-hmm. and the staff interviews us and we get to learn about um, all the things that UNLV has mm-hmm. um, compared to Toro Physical Therapy. Mm-hmm. They don't have an interview process. So they basically you basically just apply for Toro Physical Therapy and they send you an, uh, an acceptance or not. And so oh, yeah, yeah. It, there was a big difference in mm-hmm. terms of which school I, I went to mm-hmm. because UNLV, I knew exactly what they did and what they didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, did that make a difference to you? Like, did you know that Toro has these programs that you're interested in? Or was oh, it yeah. just like, okay, I got mm-hmm. accepted? Um, so um, all the programs, like including Toro that I applied to, so all of them have like, do have an interview process. And so it's kind of like a four, it could be like a four hour or like a, mm. you know, a long day process yeah. of the interview. So they also have like probably an interview as a group or um like solo one-on-one with a faculty or two faculty to one student. So it depends on the program. But for Toro, I don't know if it changed, but when I applied, um, it was like a group interview on Zoom just because of COVID and the pandemic, you know, keeping everybody safe. So there was like two faculty members and then like there was like other candidates that was in this interview with me and they just basically asked questions and then they kind of pick like who goes first answers and then you kind of just bounce around. I'm going from there, but like based on my other interviews, they did just do like a one-on-one, just trying to get to know you. Um, and then another one would be kind of like a MMI type of style where they kind of give you scenarios and you kind of have to answer that type of scenario, how you would solve it basically, mm-hmm. um, and go from there. Okay. Did you enjoy your interview process with Toro? I did. I think that was like the most relaxed interview I had. Oh, yeah. Because I, I think like when you go into like any interview process, like I, I don't know how you felt. You can let me know after. Yeah. Like I feel like you can't be too nervous. Like you can't be like too like, you know, tight about the whole situation. You just have to be relaxed because when you overthink it or when you're like, oh, my God, maybe I'm going next. You're yeah. going to forget what you're, you know, like what the question is, what you're going to say. Yeah. So I feel like you should go into the program with an open mind, trying to learn what they're telling you, what their mission is. You know, like how financial aid works, because they will tell you that uh, during the interview process as well, because they kind of go through the programs that they have at school in case, you know, you don't get in. They do have like a post bag, blah, 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 going from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I yeah. Mean, I, I think you just have to be kind of like laid back and just know that you're there for a reason. Like you have been selected for an interview because they see potential in you. Like you just had to go from your from there and think positive. Yeah. Yeah how I felt like but definitely mine was um probably the best interview I've ever had Mm -hmm. UNLV made it really calm and exciting for us it was essentially half a day 
to a full day because half the day was interviews. And then after that, we were invited to a park day where we met uh -huh. all the potential students. Okay. And I just felt like at home. And so I think the interview day really made a difference. Mm -hmm. um, I want to focus this interview on uh, your perspective as a student um, okay. going into uh, becoming a physician's assistant soon. Um, to start, how many schools did you apply for? Mm -hmm. How many did you originally try to apply for versus mm -hmm. what you actually did? Okay. I'm always interested in that. Okay, so the application process. So we use something called HASPA. So I, th I think a lot of programs have something with like ASPA at the end or something. I'm not sure. But um, or like a very similar style system because I think PT school had a similar system. Yeah, ours was PT CAS. Yeah, 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 like CAS, like somewhere yeah. in between. Um, so for me, I applied two cycles, actually. The first cycle I applied, I was still in undergrad. So I was kind of like still preparing, but I just wanted to see what my chances were like. Um, to get in and as well as kind of like growing my interview skills. So like in case I don't get in the first time, second time, I know how to prepare myself more. Um, so the first time I applied to like eight schools. So I got like waitlisted to one of the schools, um, which was USC. That was like one of the top choices I really want to get yeah. into because they do street medicine. And one of the professors there like was the one who kind of invented that for the PAs. And he's like from Philadelphia. So now mm. he's like working with USC. So I was like, it would be great to work with him and learn from him as well. Yeah. Um, but it's a three-year program. It is like super Ooh, expensive because yeah. <laughs> it's I a bet. private school. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so that's all I heard from my first cycle. And then the second cycle, I felt more ready because I had like more hours because we need clinical hours uh, or like patient care hours. Um, and then I got like more literate regs and basically finishing like more of my courses. So it kind of prepped me a little more. And then I applied to like, I think about 15 schools. Uh, for my second, the second round. Yeah. And then the second round, I had like five interviews and then um, I got into Toro and then I got listed to four. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's not bad. I'm like, at least I have more like chances to kind of like interview and kind of, you know, get a grasp of like what it's like for, per program and if I like them or not. Yeah. But yeah. But I think after you interview, you kind of have a feeling like if you, if you vibe yeah them or not i feel like that's really important so. definitely yeah yeah i only really interviewed to one school which mm -hmm. was unlv um other schools i was accepted to but there was really no interview process mm -hmm. so i got accepted to toro physical therapy yeah. where they didn't have an interview process and i said yes and i paid mm -hmm. the down deposit and then two weeks later i got accepted to unlv uh -huh. and so i was like wow i kind of just wasted all my money I for know. the for toro yeah. but so now that you're in Toro, about two years in, what are your thoughts about um, physician's assistant in general? Like, is it something that you always expected it to be? Mm -hmm. Or are there things that still surprise you to this day? Like, wow, I got into mm -hmm. this and not knowing that this is what it actually is. Um, I think it kind of reinforces like, wow, this is exactly what I want to get into in the first place. That's good. Because it's like they can do a lot of hands-on, you know, stuff. And they can see their own patients and go from there. And also, like, build a relationship with their uh, patients. Because that's what I like the most, being able to talk to them. For like, sure. not just asking them, like, okay, what's going on? You know, it's more like, oh, how's your day been? You know, like, like what's your plans after this, you know? Yeah. Kind of getting to know them as a person, like, overall as well. I feel like that's really important because, you, you know, you don't want to just be like, okay, I got to see patient X, Y, and Z. And yeah. then, like, be done with the day. Because that's not what it is, being a provider. It's kind of like building that connection and kind of you know, like build a trust because, you know, like you can see sometimes when you kind of treat a patient or you talk to them about something, you can see in their eyes, like if they trust you or not. Or oh, like, yeah. Right or away. Like, mm -hmm. Or like, 
okay like are you sure you know like like sometimes like body language yeah too. yeah mm -hmm. or like how they sound so you want to be confident you know like when you talk to them and i think through toro and just you know didactic year and rotations and from what i'm seeing like i'm glad i made this choice because i feel like you know there number one there's a work-life balance number two like you're really able to get to know your patients really well and then three is just you're constantly learning and i think that's great because there's always so much things new out there like technology like new treatment plans and yeah. i think it's it's kind of cool like you get to implement that into what you're doing yeah today and i think that's really rewarding yeah um and yeah so you talked about work-life balance and mm -hmm. I, i'm starting to think about how i was during mm -hmm. my didactic years yeah work-life balance wasn't even a thing my first year <laughs> of pt school no, it wasn't <laughs> it's just yeah. all school on mm -hmm. top of school you essentially work two full-time jobs it felt like for me mm -hmm. And then my second year of PT school, it felt more tolerable. Mm -hmm. What is your work-life balance in the beginning of your schooling versus now, mm -hmm. two years in? So didactic year, it was kind of like Monday to Friday, like 8 to 3 p.m. or like 8 to 5, depending on like what classes you have and if you have lab. So kind I think pretty similar. Like you're just in class every day. You go home, you have dinner, you shower, you go to sleep. I mean, yeah. you can try to study in between, but like for me, like it's so hard to have like an actual study schedule because for me, I need a little bit of pressure. Yeah. And then like, you know, kind of cram, which, you know, you shouldn't be doing, but that's just how we I all am. Do it. It's yeah. kind of hard. It's kind of hard to like get out of that ha habit, but that's just how it is for me. Just help me learn better. Like when me I'm like, too. when I'm on the clock, I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's go through my Anki cards right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then weekends were off. So weekends is like when you kind of study more for whatever test that you have um, going on. So for school-wise, for like how my program works, it, there's so, so there's seven sessions. So each session is like three to four months. So the first four sessions are didactic year. The last three are just rotations. So during the first four sessions, you have exams back to back. So it could be as many as two exams a week or three exams a week. It really depends. Mm -hmm. Like I think faculty tries to be nice about it. Yeah. And being like, okay, let's just give them two, and then next week one, and then three. Bam, yeah. The, the week after, and you're like, oh. Oh, goodness, I got to study for everything. And then you have group projects on top of that. And then you're just like constantly trying to like work through it. You're just trying to sleep. And I think it's just all about pulling through and just making sure you know your stuff and how you utilize your time. Because, you know, when you have lecture, you pay attention, like pay attention 100%. Not all the time. Yeah. Because nope. there are some where it's like it's on Zoom. And if like, you know, I'm not trying to say anything about the professors, but it's yeah. like if you know they're mainly just going through the slides with you, you can take that time and make flashcards instead. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like optimizing how you would want to use your time um, and any resources that you have, you know, like just making sure, OK, if they didn't see this, let me type this down real quick. So kind of like listening to what, you know, selective hearing, like what is important, what you don't think is important to help yeah. you study. Um, so there's that. But it was definitely a burnt out, though, during didactic year. Cause, and it goes by fast. Uh, did it go by fast for you? Uh, during my didactic years, it seemed like it was taking forever. But looking back now, those first mm -hmm. two years of my schooling went by really quick. Yeah. Because yeah. like, you're just taking exams it, You're always on go. Yeah. 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 And, and I think you become like a better test taker at the end in yeah. a way because it helps you prepare for your boards. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm kind of grateful for that because if I did it, I'd be like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't know how to read a question faster than before because there's a time limit when we take our test. Mm -hmm. So they want to time you to do like at least only like max one minute per question. So you got to like print your back. Yeah. Back. So what yeah. type of student are you during those exam days? Because for me, I remember during exam days, mm -hmm. I was a type of student that was 
having my head down. I don't want to talk to anybody. Oh. <laughs> I'm focusing on the exam. Yeah. But then I had other classmates who is very chatty and wants to talk to everybody. And that's their way of calming their nerves. <laughs> Mine was so different. What no. type of student okay. were you, you know, when you yeah. first started? Okay, so on exam day, I would usually go in like 30 minutes to an hour early. And then I'll sit there, I'll put on my headphones, and then I'll, I'll like go through like my last like Anki cards or like the charts or anything like that resources wise that I have yeah. right before the exam. So I'm like in the mind of doing it. Yeah. Um, and then... We used to have this ritual with one of my classmates where we listened to one song, which is like, good things fall apart, <laughs> like right before the exam, because it's like, okay, you're going to think it's going to fall apart, but it's not. Like, you want it to be ironic. So that's why we yeah. play that every time before, like, our exams. And, you know, we passed. So, yeah. woohoo. Um, but that's how I was. Like, I would just kind of, like, quiet person. But I'll talk if I have to. But, for, but there will be some people who are, like, just so loud. And you're like, I'm trying to study. Yeah. See, I have, have headphones in, but you know, I think, like you said, they're just probably trying to like calm their nerves down, right? Or like just not think about the test and then take the test. Yeah. And then after the test, you know how there's like some people who actually talk about the test, and then there are people who who are like, okay, D no, one. like please not. I, I'm like the person where I'm like, okay, please not, because I'm already done with the exam. Yeah. I want to relax, and then there are some people who like literally like go through their slides and be like, okay, this is the question. That, that is asked. me. I had to look at my notes after mm -hmm. every exam or else mm -hmm. it would make me feel worse if I didn't. Oh, really? It was bad. Yeah. Did, did you guys like get to basically see what questions you guys got wrong after the exam though or no? Um, I don't think so, but mm -hmm. I would review my my answer and I was like, okay, I put the wrong answer. So I know I already got that wrong. Mm -hmm. And then it would be one wrong answer after the other. I was like, oh, I failed that test. Oh, no. And then it did. turns out I didn't. But yeah. I just tried not to count because I because I'm like, I mean, you know, you take the test and then you don't know what you got wrong because yeah. they don't tell you. They give you your score back. And I'm like, I don't think the boards will be like this. This is just for the class. So I will just forget about it until yeah. I need to go back and review and be like, oh, I got this wrong. I remember because I put this other answer right. on there. I'm like, OK, great. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Th going back to the work-life balance. So you said that during the didactic um, four terms, mm -hmm. you basically were in school in the weekdays and in the weekends you would study even more, mm -hmm. which is pretty typical. You don't really mm -hmm. get a work-life balance. Now that you've transitioned to just your clinical rotations, how has your work-life balance changed, if any? Mm -hmm. So um, our basically rotation. So I have rotations like a new one every month. So every month I'll be like somewhere different mm. and our schedule depends on the preceptor. So if they only work like four days a week, we only work four days a week. Or if they only work once a week, we only go once a week. <laughs> so it depends on like wow. the preceptor. Um, and so in a way you kind of have to like rely on your schedule to kind of make your own schedule. Right. So if you go to clinic, like outpatient clinic, you know, for sure, most of the time the weekends are off. So you'll have the weekends to study, but during the weekdays, you're kind of figuring out like how long are they in clinic for and then afterwards you can study if you want but if not then just kind of go through the concepts or like log your patient stuff on the website that you need yeah. just to hold yourself accountable depending on you know what program you're in like what patients you saw so that they know that you're on track for graduation um and then kind of go from there so it's kind of hard to kind of make a schedule so when i make plans with anybody like with the work-life balance it's hard like i would have to say like oh um i don't know schedule for next month so i will let you know if i can have dinner with you right so it's kind of hard but my friends are pretty like understandable and like i'm kind of happy I'm so i'm sure you've had those yeah. rotations where it was very hard on your schedule mm -hmm. and then there's some that are pretty easy going and you're able to yeah do other things outside of yeah school too then right yeah i yeah. 
Well, I think it depends on like obviously the rotations, but like for me, I think luckily I was able to have rotations where the schedules were constant or where I have enough days off that I can utilize to study for my like end of the month or, or like end of the rotation exams. Um, Cause those are like really broad, not just based on, you know, what rotation I'm on and what I'm learning there, but just the overall topic itself. So, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So for someone wanting to go into uh, PA school or if someone's just interested, can you go through how um, clinical rotations are picked or if mm-hmm. you get to choose? Mm-hmm. How does that work for Toro um, specifically? Yeah. So for Toro, we have like a interest form, basically, that they all sent out like closer to like um, rotation year. And so what happens is like, you basically pick your top five. So it's going to sound kind of confusing because it's like top five, but within those top five specialties, you kind of choose like what places you want for your rotations. Mm -hmm. So um, our clinical director will send out like a list of all these places that we can go to for rotation. And it's up to you to choose based on what interests you and go from there. So um, I have a total of 11 rotations because we have one month where it's transition month for us for like just my cohort. Mm-hmm. But then I think after our cohort, um, they're going to have 12 rotations because okay. I think like, because COVID is going down slowly. Right. Yeah. So I think they're giving more, you know, like going back to normal basically. Um, and so within those 11 rotations, we have two family med rotations. So that could be like anything within the category, depending on the program. And then um, two internal medicine rotations and then one surgery rotation, one psychiatry, one ob one ER and one pediatric, um, yeah, rotation. I don't know if I'm counting it right, but yeah. yeah, if I'm missing something, people won't know. Yeah. But it's just like those are like the core ones that we have to uh, basically go through in order to learn everything that we need and um, for us to graduate on time, basically. Gotcha. Um, and so, you know, like when in family med or internal med, so there'll be like different specialties. Like they'll have like ICU or something under internal med or like inpatient medicine would be under like internal med. And then family... Um, medicine could be like urgent care or anything. So it really depends on the school what they would classify as either or to count that towards your graduation. Mm-hmm. So in a way, like when I did my interest form, I had like ob like in my top because I really wanted like to have really good ob rotation so I can, you know, catch babies you know, right. when they're born. I'm <laughs> like, okay, I need to see how this works in yeah. case I have a chance to work in ob So I think it's kind of like weighing like what you're more interested in versus not like I think some of my friends really wanted Derm so they put that as top and I think Derm is under family med for us so it really just depends or like some people wanted like certain surgeries so they put that on top as well yeah Yeah. so you have your top five of the big categories like Mm -hmm. family med internal med and then you get subcategories of more specific kind of specialties really or locations yeah so within like the top five specialties you kind of choose like three options per per specialty kind of yeah and you're choosing which location you want to go to um of those okay yeah yeah, you can um or you can mention in the comment section in the survey like oh i don't mind where i'm going or you really want this you know precept or anything like that you can request but obviously like um your cohort has like x amount of people like my cohort Mm. has like 80 so you know the clinical director can't just accommodate you to that person if they're highly requested as well. Like yeah. They'll try to, but it's going to be hard because everybody's going to have a different schedule and they're going to have to like maneuver like 80 kids around. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, for our rotation process, we got to choose which kind of hospital or clinic we were able to go to. Mm-hmm. And so we had a little bit more control of in state or out of state. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like for Toro, I mean, you get to pick which one you want to go to, mm-hmm. but do they 
if you don't want to go out of state, do you have that choice? You do have that choice. So you can okay. um, put that in a comment or like as long as whatever you choose, like in your top five and they're all in like Nevada, you'll be fine or just let him know. Because mm-hmm. um, I do have classmates where they're just doing their rotations here. Okay. Yeah. And then some are like, let's say from California, they'll try to set up their own if the school doesn't have enough of like where they you know want to be in mm-hmm. California for like X amount of years, I mean months. Yeah. And then they'll find their own and then set it up and go from there. Yeah. Because um, it's kind of weird because you know how like everybody starts school at a different time? Right. Like Toro starts in July. And then because it's a two and a half year program, not like a full like three years or just two years. So the lease for some of my classmates are kind of weird. So like they would have to like, let's say after two years of leasing their apartment, mm-hmm. they're going to have to like either do a few more months left before graduation or like another whole year. Yeah. So, so some people don't want to do like the third year of a leasing their, um, getting their apartment again. Yeah. So they'll like try to like maneuver and find rotations in California or where they're from to just do the rest back home and then come back for graduation. Could you theoretically stay in one state? Like if you were going to Toro, but you wanted all your rotations mm-hmm. in California, is that possible? That is possible, but just not the community medicine a rotation that we have that's required for us, which is related to the mobile health clinic. In here in Southern yeah, Nevada? Yeah, here in Southern Nevada. Okay. But yeah, so out of the 11 community medicine, you would have to stay here most likely. Um, and then the 10, you could do just back wherever, whichever state you're from, as long as Toro has enough of those opportunities for you to kind of put on your interest list or you find some of them on your own. Okay. As long as they qualify for surgery, because, you know, you like, for example, surgery has like pre-op. Yeah. And then surgery and then post-op. So as long as they have like certain components for that rotation and it qualifies, then you'll be fine. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> so you sent me all the rotations that you've done and that the ones that you are still yet to do. Mm-hmm. And this is probably going to be my my favorite part of the podcast because I get yeah. to just sit back and let you talk about okay. <laughs> what these rotations are mm-hmm. because it's very interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I haven't had a guest yet who uh, diversifies into a lot of these situations. Mm-hmm. So um, the the ones that you sent me, are these in order? Like was emergency room, was, the, was that the first one you did? That was my... Third one. Okay. okay. So we'll just, we'll just go out of order. <laughs> yeah. out Essentially, order. Okay. I'm going to okay. tell you what the rotation were that you okay. went to. Okay. I want you to give me a brief description of what it is mm-hmm. and, you know, what a PA, PA's role is in that rotation mm-hmm. and just your general thoughts. Like, mm-hmm. did you like it? Did you not? Or any specific stories? Mm-hmm. Let's start with the uh, one of the clinical rotations you had in the emergency room. Okay. The ER. The ER. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my God. The ER. <laughs> Um, okay, so the let's start off with what the time is like for the ER. So it varies. So you're either following a PA around all the time or um, a doctor or a resident. So like it really depends on the shift. So when I'm with the PAs, you basically see um, patients, you know, that are um, that need to do a rapid ass- uh, assessment. So you're just trying to figure out what's going on, get their story, order labs and see if there's anything, you know, abnormal. And then depending on acuity, of the patient, like how complex they are, you might have to stack it with a physician. So like a phys- physician will also go see them if it's a very complex case. So it depends on the hospital because um, acuity wise, it can go from one to five and one could be the highest, five could be the lowest. And I think some other hospitals, like five is like the highest and one mm, is the lowest. The so yeah. it depends on the hospital. Um, but when I'm with the PAs, I can like see patients on my own and like before they're seen by like anybody else. Okay. So trying to like figure out like, okay, what's going on, get the whole overall picture. And I'll go report back basically to my preceptor or, you know, the PA and then let them know what's going on with this patient. Like 42 year old female presenting with this and this and this for X amount of time. 
constant, you know, where does it radiate, you know, like the whole shebang with the HPI. Um, and then sometimes they'll like ask you like, okay, what do you want to order? And then I'll be there. I'm like, oh, uh, I think this and this, but yeah. you know, like I'm not sure because some, you know, like providers have a certain like, I guess, go to that they would want to order. Right. Like yeah. they'll have like, they'll have it like kind of like customized on their system already. Mm -hmm. And then they'll order that. So it really depends on your provider um, just to know what to um, order. And then after that, you see another patient. So they'll see like 20, 30, sometimes like up to 40 patients in like a 10 hour shift. Yeah. So in a way, like they'll tell you like who to go see. And then you're like, okay, let's go see. And then you do like a whole physical exam. So the mm. ER, I had to like learn like, what am I going to do? Like, okay, like let's, let's listen to the heart and lungs. Let's do the neuro, you know, exam. Let's make sure they're okay. Not having a stroke. So I think the ER was very like a good rotation to learn how to examine the patient and knowing what to ask. Cause I like have never done anything like ER related. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like you gotta be urgent. You gotta be like, okay, what's going to kill the patient. But for me, I was like, I, I, I don't know what's going to kill a patient right now. And yeah. then, so I'm like, cause I went in blind for that rotation. Cause I don't know what to expect. Um, and everything. So I just wanted to like open my eyes and just learn as much as I can. So that's just kind of like how it went. Like, I'm just like, okay. Let's I'm sure you learned it. a lot. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. All right. This person said, okay, I should order this and that. Um, and then we don't really get to, you know, like see the end, I guess, of the progress of mm -hmm. the patient. Like you're the start. Happened. You just yeah, hand off. Just hand off. And then it's almost like a triage. Kind yeah, of, it's kind of like kind triage. Of, yeah, okay. So sometimes you don't even know what the labs say because you're just seeing so many patients. You're trying to get them in, you're trying to make sure you're just stable and then they can be discharged or unless they need to be seen by a physician or resident as well. And then, you know, if they're okay to be discharged and mm -hmm. that's fine or unless they need to be admitted. Yeah. So it really just depends. So, yeah, I saw like so many different like patients in the ER. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. Like, like some of them, like I feel bad because it's like they're tired from waiting. And it's like, okay, I know, you know, like you're kind of on the edge, but let's just kind of get this through, you know, like tell me your story, what's going on. So sometimes like you just had to, you know, like be like, I understand, you know, what's, you know, like you've been waiting for a long time. You're yeah. dealing with this, you know, like you just had to let them know that you understand like what's going on or like how they're feeling sometimes instead of just like doing everything fast because then they're going to feel like, okay, like, why did I come here in the first place? And yeah, and for some of those people, they waited so long only yeah. to do a quick assessment. Yeah. It, you know, it, mm -hmm. I, I'm sure it's trying to find a balance of mm -hmm. how much can I do this in an efficient way, mm -hmm. but also, you know, making yeah. good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, so like, it's kind and of caring like, for them. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, I got some, so I think one of the fun ones in the ER was like just doing laceration repairs. Oh, okay. Because I'm like, because every provider is different. Yeah. Like the way that you hold, hold like the hemostat, for like, you know, like the stitches and stuff. Yeah. It's like different per person. And so my preceptor was like, you just put your thumb in the hole of the hemostat. That's it. And mm. that, like some people, like, cause you're not supposed to put two fingers in there. Yeah. Or whatnot. Cause it's like, you can't really get a good grip to like, if you have to unlock it and then suture and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and it's different from learning in school. Cause school would tell you like, you need to do three throws of the suture. But then like when I'm in the ER, they're like, just do four. Cause it looks nicer and it's like more like tight and like looks good. Mm -hmm. um, and that it's secured. So it really depends on the person. So yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so and then stapling too. I mean, staple. I mean, you're just stapling. Yeah. But but surgery was like the fun part. I felt like that was like the most hands-on stuff I got to do. I didn't get to do any like incision or drainage the month I was there, um, because we didn't have that much. And it's kind of like where you see one, you do one. I saw one, and then the second and then person never came, and I'm like, oh, I don't. I cannot put this on my log because I didn't get to do it. But it would have been fun if I you know, yeah. got to do it. Yeah, um, But yeah, and then when I'm with the doctors or residents, 
um, you can see uh, patients with them or they already been seen and they'll have you practice and go see them and then present to the doctor or to the resident again and then kind of go from there. And you kind of see more complex cases or see people getting intubated. Um, I haven't done a chest compression in the ER. Surprisingly, Ooh, I yeah. thought I was going to, but I didn't. I was that, like, okay. that would be intense. Yeah, I know. I yeah. That's good. That seems very interesting. ER, I'm sure it's very hectic and yeah. fast-paced. Yeah, I think it really just depends on your personality and yeah. how you like it. Like, I heard, like, one of my friends saying, like, they want to do ER because you're just seeing patients all the time. It, it's like, do you want the continuity of care or do you just want to see patients that are in urgent needs or emergent needs? Like, mm -hmm. it really depends on, like, what your style is and, like, how you are. So Yeah, because if yeah. you want to see that continuation of care, mm -hmm. ER is probably not for you. Yeah. So... Let's bring the question, ER, is it yeah. for Sammy or is it not for Sammy? Okay, I feel like I've been saying no, but I feel like I would be interested if that is like one of the job opportunities out there when I start off as a new grad. I think I wouldn't mind. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a thing, I don't know if it's like 100% true, I always hear it from my classmates where they're like, oh, after two years, you know, working in the ER as a PA, you can switch now. You can like you can like move okay, on. Okay, so there's yeah, a kind of a time a, period. Yeah, there's where... like a burnout basically. Like I know like one oh, of my I'm preceptors sure. yeah. like worked in the ER for like seven years, and I'm like, okay, she's suited for the ER. That's why. Like like she's you ER have to built. have a yeah, yeah. You, I feel like you have to have a certain personality where you mm -hmm. you're okay with being on the go yeah. all the time and you thrive off of that. Yeah. If not, yeah, I don't I can't, I can't even imagine like six yeah. months in an ER yeah. without being burnt out. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I think it really depends on like how you like your surrounding or like the architecture of the building. Yeah. Because sometimes you'll feel like it's kind of stuffy in there or there's just like no windows. Like like when there's no windows, like there's no sun, you just feel so like... Depressed. Yeah, you're surrounded by four walls and... You, yeah, it, yeah. And you're just like, oh my God, I've been here for how long? Yeah. Yeah, so... No, definitely. Okay. But, Very different. Yeah. All right, next clinical rotation, pediatrics. Uh, Talk a little geez. bit more about that. Okay, so I personally like these because I did like... Um, I was like an MA at like a pediatric surgery office before I started PA school. Oh, nice. So I was like, okay, maybe pizza's for me because I like talking to the parents. Like I like seeing the kids. So I was like, okay, yeah, I did like pizza like when I did it last month because I like just had it like recently. Um, it's a lot of like viral like infections going on, a lot of like fevers, coughing, like allergy season or like strep throat. So I think because it's like an outpatient clinic, so you see a lot of like the normals and you see a lot of well checks. So just seeing like, okay, mm -hmm. like are they meeting their milestones? Like are they talk are they talking now? Or like what is it called? Like saying mom or dad, or like yeah. are they counting? Are they, you know, moving their hands? So it's kinda like knowing those things and like asking mom how they're doing. So in a way, I kinda liked it. I just don't know if I'm a person for well checks. Yeah. Cause I'm like, oh it's like you're just checking to see how they're doing, but you're not really using too much like clinical knowledge. Gotcha. Like in mm -hmm. a way, like you're just checking, like just progress, which is nice, like because you get to have a conversation with the family. Right. But I kind of like, oh, I like this part, but I kind of want to do a little more. So in a way, I'm like, I kind of like peas. Like. But if you if you could use your yeah. clinical judgment yeah. and yeah. do a skills, little more hands on, hands -on. I think it would be nice. But I'm still content with it, just because like I love seeing kids. Gotcha. Got to hold them and stuff too. I'm like, oh, yeah. gosh, they're so cute. Like. I would definitely be here. Yeah. So it's nice though. So it's a maybe. Yeah. If, so it's uh, like a it's like a maybe right now. Like I thought I would like love it, love it. I love it, but not like super love it. I okay. guess if that makes sense. Yeah. What do you think a, a physician's assistant student needs mm -hmm. to have in terms of personality or traits mm -hmm. in order to succeed in pediatrics? I think you just have to like have like a bubbly personality, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Because like 
you just because you know kids are scared yeah like if you're wearing like a white coat or like with a mask on and they don't know who you are they get like stranger danger so they're right. like oh mm-hmm. my god like who is this like why are they here and then the moment you start touching them they're like yelling and screaming so you kind of have need to have patience as well yeah because like let's say you have to look in their ear but you can't because they're moving you have to find ways to like have mom help you this is a group effort so let's go ahead and like you know, you hold the baby. I'm going to look in his ear. So hold his head real quick. You just go look in yeah. there real quick and then go from there. So you're just kind of like had to find ways to maneuver of like, I guess, how to work around the yeah. patient for like peds in general. Because, you know, they're not like adults. Like you can't tell, like you can't ask them like, did you spit out blood? Because then like sometimes, you know, they're still growing. Right. Their muscles and stuff. So they can't just spit out stuff, you know, all of a sudden or when something really happens. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's you just had to, you know, have a bright personality. Be very positive because yeah. you don't know what parents are always gonna say, um, and then they're extra worried. So you're gonna have to have to be reassured. You gotta have to be calm. Pediatrics like, is a yeah. different world for me. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. have two patients. You have the the child and you yeah. have the parent. Yeah, and then it's... sometimes you forget. Like, oh, you can't ask the baby. Like, did did this happen to you? Or like, did you have the mm. symptom? You can't. You have to ask the parent. Yeah, and the parent can only say so much because they're off. They're also like observing how you know baby's doing. So, right you know you're never 100 percent sure like and they probably don't have the medical knowledge too to like if if they're asked if a parent is asked Mm -hmm. about this and that they probably don't know yeah because they don't have much knowledge about that yeah so it's very different yeah it's a lot of patient education as well because i think like for anybody being like first time parents you Mm -hmm. just don't know what to give to your kid like you feel like once they start having a fever you're like oh shoot like what's going on like i need to Mm -hmm. take you to the urgent care or i need to take you to your primary right now and then they're gonna rely on you sammy to make sure yeah let's take the temperature any other symptoms i'm like okay yeah kind of be reassuring gotcha Mm -hmm. all right next one inpatient medicine what is that what what is the role as a pa pa student and Mm -hmm. did you like it so for like as a PA student, so I would kind of just, so it's kind of like doing rounds in the hospital. Okay. So, so this is inpatient yes. in like a hospital in a based. Hospital, yes. Okay. So I'm with like an IM doctor. So IM doctors basically, they're the hospitalist, right? So you basically have like an X amount of patients that are admitted that you're seeing for that day. Sometimes it could be like from 20 to 30. So it really depends on like how big the hospital is, how heavy the load is. So then you'll split among with like, you know, other doctors and everything. Um, and then I would follow them and go see each patient and see how they're doing. So all of them are coming in for something different. Sometimes it could be like for like MI or like could be like they have like a skin infection, like diabetes, anything like that that needs to get under control. So in a way, like following them, you just kind of see like how they examine a patient. Like, okay, like are they doing well, breathing well, you know, heart sounds good. Um, ba- you know, basically it depends on what they're coming in for. You're just checking everything to make sure they're still taking their medication. You know, they're stable. Yeah. So mm-hmm. as like a hospitalist, you're just making sure they're stable. And one of the big things that they do is they com- communicate with the other specialties. So let's say this patient has like a UTI. You're also talking like, and you're, you know, more of an older patient. So they might have other complex conditions. So you're consulting infectious disease. You're consulting urology. You're going to see what they say. So based on what they say, you have to kind of like make sure everybody's like, on top of it, we know what we're going to do for the patient. So you're not just making sure, oh, okay, they're doing well. But you but you want to make sure what you check what the specialists are saying and that we're on top of that as well. So um, there's this thing, too, like misconception where patients always feel like, why do they want to kick me out of the hospital? Like, like why are like the turnover so high? Mm-hmm. And then one of the reasons is because when you're in a hospital, you're at a risk of infection, like MRSA, right? Like 
like you're just more likely to get sick when you're in the hospital because there's just more you know stuff going on so you know we want to minimize your risk of getting something new on top of what you're coming in for right so it's like okay like yeah once you're done with the antibiotics you're stable you're doing well we want to discharge you so you can finish the rest of the regimen at home so you know preventing you from getting even more sick right yeah that makes sense so yeah so that's why like we try to tell them like oh you know as long as you're doing well you know you're able to go home you know we want to give them their independence we want to make sure the quality of life is still the same gotcha so yeah like that um and then i think like when you know like when the pa does you know do hospitalist work you do still work with the physician you will have like your own list of patients that you're going to see as well and then you basically chart similar to what the physicians do then you just touch base with them with any complex cases that you have questions on Mm -hmm. and just to check if they're also okay with it gotcha and then go from there and i think it really depends on where you work so I had this rotation in California, so it's 12-hour shifts, like 8 to 8 or something. So you round, you see a patient, and then the rest of the time you're charting, unless the nurse call, calls you, and they're like, oh, BP's dropping, or potassium's low, like, what right. are you going to do? So it's kind of like... So is it three twelves, like or um, you're working so, more than So now. the physicians work, like, one week on of, like, 12-hour shifts, and then one Seven week twelves, and then... So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's like one week off, one week on, but it really depends on the company you're working for, for that hospital, because sometimes you can work just two weeks, and then you have two weeks off. So it's kind of flexible, oh. like how you want it. So. Was that the first time you've done seven on, seven off? Yeah. How yeah. was it? It was, so I got to leave a little early because it was like when they're <laughs> charting, they're like, you can go home. I think they were just being nice. So yeah. I'm like, oh, are you sure? Like, you don't want me to do anything else? But um, this particular like hospital I was at, there was a lot of like Asian like patients. So mm-hmm. I was able to like learn my Chinese and like oh, say nice. certain things. So, yeah. Like I wouldn't say my Chinese is like, the best like i can do like conversational you know like yeah speaking and stuff like that so i would try to like describe things and one of the funny things was like one of the doctors like can you ask them what their like heart ejection fraction is <laughs> and i was like um you know like in chinese like uh did you you know get this like echo done or like this kind of yeah. test done do you have that paper with you so luckily like this patient did so i was like oh the ejection fraction is right here oh <laughs> so i'm like I would not know how to like explain it. I'll be like, oh, you know, like your heart is pumping. Yeah. Is it pumping well enough? You know, that's all I can say in Chinese. Yeah. But yeah. So it was kind of like practicing it. Do you feel like you've used your Chinese a lot in your clinical rotations? Um, only in California is what I noticed because okay. I think they have a bigger Asian population there. But here, not really. Gotcha. But I think they're practicing it. It kind of made me feel like, okay, like, I wouldn't mind having more of, like, an Asian population to serve as well, like, in the future. Yeah. And just to help practice, no, that's I great. feel like you feel a different type of, like, closeness, like, when you're, I guess, treating someone that also speaks Chinese because it's just so different. Like, I agree. And mm. I think they're appreciative when you try to say, like, okay, I can speak a little bit and then kind of explain from there because then they won't be like, you suck. Like, I can't hear you. Like, yeah. they'll, they'll, like they'll be, like, very thankful that you're trying to communicate with them and letting you know what's going on because there's never really like a in-person like on-site translator they're going to because it's usually online like where you yeah. use an ipad right yeah, ours is like a, a phone that's yeah. just done through the phone yeah and sometimes like the connection's not good so they're kind of lagging so mm-hmm. you're just standing there like awkwardly like waiting like yeah like for them to it talk, streamlines so. the communication mm-hmm. much better yeah so yeah nice. i feel the same way uh, when i have a lot of filipino patients mm-hmm. it's not like i treat them worse or better just because mm-hmm. the goal is to treat everybody yes with the highest level of professionalism, but you do feel a sense of um, kind of belonging to be there and closeness mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. Um, it's like heartwarming whenever there's someone like yeah. Filipino that, because um, you, you you think that it's just kind of your family there too. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I, it's as if you were my family. Like, yeah. you know, I want to take care of you. So yeah. 
So, okay, inpatient medicine. Yeah. It seemed like you enjoyed that one. Yeah, I think it was pretty nice, yeah. Just yeah. to see, like, how the lifestyle was with their work-life balance. I was like, I could see myself doing that, you know, one week on, one week off. Yeah. Just keep doing that. that that's nice. So, yeah. yeah. I'm biased. I work in a hospital, so yeah. I love inpatients, and mm -hmm. I love the work-life balance, and I love, you know, being kind of the transitionary point from when someone is sick to going home. Mm -hmm. So I love anything inpatient. Yeah. Okay, next one. I think you're going to really love talking about this, the OBGYN or OB-GYN. Oh, yeah. Okay, actually, that's like one of my favorite rotations <laughs> so far. Yeah. It was my like it was like my very first rotation. Okay. Yeah, so um, this one, I was able to have like, you know, like the guy part and the OB part. So, Can you talk about the difference between the two? Yeah. So OB is like more for like pregnant ladies. Like you're basically checking up on them to making sure, you know, their pregnancy stages, like they're doing well, baby's doing well before they're born. And then, you know, you deliver the baby basically. Mm -hmm. And then the guy part is more like woman's health where you kind of see like what's going on. You know, it could be anything related to your menstrual cycles, like um, and like fibroids, like basically like. All different topics that you can think of, mm -hmm. like birth control, like if they want to consult about that, or menopause, anything similar to that. So gotcha. one is like more women's health, and one is more like pregnancy related. If mm -hmm. I had to distinguish like the both, but okay, like, but yeah, so. gotcha, cool. Mm -hmm. So how did you enjoy your so. rotation? Well, I liked it um, because I got to see like a lot in the office where the doctor basically did like fetal ultrasound, so you kind of kind of see like the baby where they're mm -hmm. at. Um, and then you also get to um, help with the procedures. Like, not really, like, do it yourself, but you get to assist and see. Like, for example, somebody had, like, a cyst down there, like, and they need it taken out. Like, we had to do, like, a speculum exam just to look in there and then kind of, like, do this, like, long, like, it's not a long procedure, but it's just, like, the steps. And kind of assisting with that and just seeing, like, oh, what's going on? It's kind of cool. Yeah. And then at the end, like, we can, like, do, like, one of like a pelvic and like a speculum exam basically like a pap smear yeah at the end so it was pretty cool nice. but i think it's like everybody's different so like pap smears are kind of like you just have to figure it out mm -hmm. you know in a way because everybody has like you know different body yeah so. different anatomical features yeah. mm -hmm. did you enjoy the ob more than the gynecology part i think i liked them both i think i liked ob gyn more i mean not ob gyn ob part OB. more because we would go to the hospital we'll have like 12 hour shifts like on call or like a 24 hours so it really depends on like what shifts my um, doctor picked up and then we would follow him to the hospital to the lnd um, area so labor and delivery um, side of the hospital yeah and then whoever's ready to you know pop the baby out we're just gonna go in there gown up everything and then you know she's already dilated it to like you know 10 centimeters and so we're like getting ready yeah to basically have the baby come out so the um our doctor that I had, like, luckily let us kind of help with that that um, process where he's, okay, now put your hand in, like, feel for the head area. So you can tell, like, are they, is your face facing up or down? Yeah. And then, like, when the baby's about to come come out, like, you're the one holding it. So he'll, like, okay, wow. hold the baby. And then, and then he's, like, okay, put it on top of the mom. And then I'm, like, okay, <laughs> do this. So you're yeah. very hands-on as yeah. a student. Yeah. And then you get to cut, like, the umbilical cord as well and then get, like, the cord blood just to get that, like, sample and everything like yeah. that. And, you know, like, after baby comes out, that's not the end. Like, you have the placenta. So you got to massage right. and then take out the placenta and then, like, basically scoop out any other blood clots. But I didn't get to do that part because, like, doctor wants to make sure, you know, like, every, like everything, everything is coming out. 
Yeah. Um, and then depending, you know, on how the vaginal process goes, you might have to suture if there's a tear with the vaginal process or anything like that. Yeah. And then we also had like C-sections. We saw a couple. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Like, um, when you like, you know, like do a C-section when you close, you can either suture or staple. So it really depends on like the academy, like for ob like what they recommend. And, and then that's what the physician usually goes by, like the guideline of how to close. Yeah. And everything like that so that was so it just cool. depends you know yeah their preference yeah their preference so so as good. as a student how what percentage do you do ob versus you know gynecology mm-hmm. is it 50 50 or do you do more one um, depends I, on the I preceptor think more gyne okay um because like for the ob part he it, for him is more like on call shifts or like if his patient was ready to pop then we go to the hospital okay they were arranged to go to gotcha and then but you know clinic is like let's say four or five days a week so you're seeing more gyne patients than you are like ob patients like you'll have ob uh ob patients in between but more gyne patients just like people coming in for their well checks a lot of them just come in just to make sure you know their pap smears are normal and like go from there basically so gotcha yeah so it really just depends on like what shifts you pick up at the hospital but he but like my preceptor had like so many hospitals he go to yeah but then only had access to one and but that one luckily was like the most hands-on experience one yeah but i'm just like he does not sleep like, <laughs> yeah. like he just goes like clinic and then he goes to the hospital i'm like and i'm like what do you sleep yeah i'm like oh my god yeah like so, ob guy specialists like their time schedule is just it's so crazy yeah it's pretty crazy i bet yeah. I don't want to um, fast forward, but we'll kind of talk about it later. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of thinking that this is a specialty that you is really up on your list, you I know, once you graduate. Yeah. yeah. Only if they hire, because I think they're one of the specialties that don't hire PAs that much, because you do need them there for like the delivery process for mm-hmm. the C-section. Because um, for surgery wise, like PAs aren't like, you know, you're, we're not the surgeons. We're more like a first assist basically and helping and assisting with the surgery. Yeah. So we basically need, you know, like the physician there at all times for like that part. But if it's anything clinic wise, we can do on our own and go from there as well. And then just asking for help if we need to like clarify anything. Gotcha. So crossing my fingers. Can you be a part-time OBGYN and then a part time another specialty. Can you do that? Um, yeah, Is I that think possible? I think it's like depending on like what specialties are per diem. Yeah. Um, then you can probably do that if they need help and need you to go in. Okay. Yeah, because I have heard like you could do two per diem jobs if you want as well instead of just like one full time. Like. Yeah, I think that's pretty similar to physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people did do, do two per diems because. Mm-hmm that pay is more yeah and that you can be more flexible with your schedule mm-hmm. the only difference is that you don't get health insurance so it's kind of yeah, it's kind of different yeah, so but you gotta pay for your but if money's money's up there like yeah per diem yeah. is where it's at yeah but for you guys like let's say you're applying for a per diem job do they ask you to have experience first like when you do apply for that type of position i think it depends on the location that you're going to and mm-hmm. how uh, in demand that they are if mm-hmm. they're really needing it per diem they're probably going to hire even new grads, uh, if mm-hmm. you have no experience. But I think as a per DM, you only work a certain amount of days throughout the month. So mm-hmm. they kind of expect you to have the experience, or yeah. at least if you already know how to work the software mm-hmm. uh, or the documentation system, yeah. that's even a bonus because mm-hmm. you can transition really quickly yeah. compared to if you have no experience and you don't know the documentation mm-hmm. system, they have to devote more time for training, which you know, hospitals or clinics don't really, yeah. they don't want to do all that. Mm-hmm. But um, next up, infectious disease. I'm interested in this because 
I didn't really know about infectious disease until mm -hmm. I started working in the hospital. Yeah. So what even is ID? So I, okay, so I think anytime like you're in a hospital and like somebody has like an infection or anything like that, that you can think of, you usually consult ID. So okay. that's just because like you never know like what a patient, like what antibiotics they have taken in the past. Do they have resistance to certain antibiotics? So the ID doctor is the one who kind of like recommends like, okay, what kind of antibiotics, like what kind of medicine like we should administer for this patient so that, you know, the infection clears away. Mm -hmm. So for this rotation that I did, my preceptor was like an HIV specialist. So oh. he saw a lot of like HIV patients in his clinic. Um, and so all of them are stable though. Like everybody's all good. Their viral load is undetectable. So basically the goal like at his clinic is just making sure all his patients are taking their medications on time. Because if you don't take your, you know, medicine, medicine, like every single day, your viral load can kind of like go up and down, up and down. And it can get worse because when your viral load for HIV is like high, mm -hmm. you're more likely to get an infection. And then yeah. that's when everything starts going like downhill. You're like, you're probably going to get this. You're probably going to get this. And you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the oral like thrush that you see. Like those can happen when your viral load is just unstable. Like you're just more susceptible to like infection. Gotcha. Um, and he sees a lot of syphilis patients as well and monkeypox. Okay. So that was pretty cool. So I didn't know this until recently, but apparently like Vegas is becoming like the number one syphilis capital right oh. now. So we wow. saw so many syphilis patients. Gotcha. So what is your role as a PA student in infectious disease? Um, so when I had that rotation back in March, so we would have two weeks of outpatient, two weeks of inpatient. So as a student for outpatient, we basically like see the patient first, ask them how they're doing, you know, um, their compliance with their medications, you know, and then recommending them for um, anal pap smears just because when um, you have HIV, you're more at risk for that. Yeah. For like anal cancer or anything like that. And so this preceptor that I had, he had another clinic upstairs where they do those anal pap smears just to make sure, you know, like you're doing good, no risk of cancer or anything like that. Um, and just making sure they're stable um, and check if they are having any other labs done, like are their CBCs okay, you know, CMP, like all those stuff. But yeah. we would recommend them to see their primary doctor just because he's more of a specialist and he is a primary care doctor. Gotcha. Um, and then for inpatient, we also basically pre-round without the preceptor. So we go around the hospital depending on his list of patients. Um, and then we split us uh, the list with our other classmates that are there if we're on the rotation with them. And then we're like, okay, you have these people i have mm -hmm. these people so sometimes like we'll round together um just to make sure like in case i didn't hear something they heard something then i can type that in their note and we also pre-chart uh, we go see them to see how they're doing like any you know for example syphilis yeah. if you get neurosyphilis you get like vision changes blurry vision or anything like that right headaches yeah so we check like okay are you still having that because you're on treatment so that should be helping them recover from you know like blurry vision or anything symptoms like should be improving yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah just to make sure they're stable doing well nothing new is like going on so similar to like a hospitalist but more specialized you're like focusing on one condition yeah like the main thing that you're in charge of going in gotcha making sure you're doing well no side effects for medications and th anything like that and then afterwards you go back um and let the doctor know and then you round with him basically mm, okay and then if we get like new like consults from the er then we go like as students we go see them first and then we basically make a new chart including everything that we can find any details um and then let the, our physician know and also kind of put in like draft the orders that we want to order for them that's more tailored for id um and then go from there basically so when you're going to these patients are mm -hmm. you by yourself or is your preceptor 
like mm-hmm. right behind you, um, so shadowing you uh, or su- supervising yeah. you. So outpatient, so we see them first, and then we go back in the room with them in case we need to change any plans. Mm. So in a way, like I'm drafting the note for outpatient okay. first, and making and asking them all the important questions, and then he just goes in there asking them how their day is or how they're how they've been doing because he knows all these patients like for the back of his hand. Like, yeah, like he's seen them for years and they're like been stable for years. So it was like just practice for us to make sure like we know what to ask them and getting comfortable with asking certain questions. Um, like for example, like for our HIV patients, you know, like we want to make sure, you know, we're not transmitting it to anybody else or mm-hmm. anything like that. We would ask like, Oh, how many partners, you know, are you with, you know, getting comfortable with asking like, Oh, what, what type of sex are you guys, you know, practicing? Yeah. So it's kind of like getting rid of the awkwardness. So that was good practice for us. Um, and then for the inpatient part, so students, um, ourselves would go around first in the hospital and then during lunchtime, he would go around with us again. Oh, just is that nerve wracking going by yourself? Okay, at first it was because like the hospital is so confusing. Yeah. Like 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 when you take the elevator, you go to a certain floor, but it doesn't go up. Mm-hmm. So you had to like walk around and then go use the other elevator and yep. go somewhere else. And you're like, oh, I guess I'm in the right place, right? It's and a maze. Then, yeah. Yeah, and then you go and you're like, hello, are you? You know, or you ask a nurse. The nurses are so nice. So I'm like, what do I do? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, can I go in? Like, is this the right patient? And then sometimes if the patient's not in there, then you go ask like the charge mm-hmm. nurse or a nurse in charge of that patient. Like, oh, what's been going on? Anything new? They yeah. know their patients, like, so well. So I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Saved my life. So I'm like, yeah. Have you ran into physical therapists while you're doing any inpatient stuff? Because I run into no. um, PAs. Oh, really? Quite a bit. Especially no. IDs, yeah. I Okay, maybe, like, one. Like, during my, like, inpatient medicine, like, rotation, I did run into, like, um, some physical therapists because okay. they were, like, helping patients, like, ambulate around, like, the hallways. Yeah. But I didn't see any, like, during my ID rotation. Oh, okay. Yeah, but gotcha. I did see, like, nursing students that were there from, like, UNLV, but I didn't see, like, anybody else. Gotcha. Yeah. So, gotcha. so how does ID rank in terms of your interests? Interest. I would say... High, low? I would say, like, medium. Like, okay. Like, I wouldn't mind. Like, it's a pretty nice, like way to like learn more about like antibiotics like more medicine related because you do have to know like what you're going to give them what's going to cover because you don't want to give them like something that covers a gram negative when you need to cover MRSA because that's like positive you're like oh shoot i need to change this you know like tobacco or something so yeah man sammy i feel like you're a better student than i was because (laughs) as a student i had my firm yeses and nos on certain Uh specialties like pediatrics was a hard no to me really yeah no um and but for you, it seems like you're kind of, you're okay with a lot of things. Yeah, I, I think I'm trying to keep an open mind. Yeah. So like in case I do jump around in the future, because I, yeah. I feel like your first job or like my first, like first specialty for like new grads for PA, it might not be like the one you're going to end up in. Yeah. So I feel like I just want to keep it open. Yeah. And then it's like, I feel like I have a patience for a lot of things. So I just take it as it goes. I'm like, I wouldn't know if I was supposed to be offended or not. Yeah. I'll be like, okay, let's just move on. Yeah. So. Employers will love you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Orthopedic surgery. You did that one, right, already? Oh, I'm in it this month. So oh, okay, I let's just, talk about it. I just finished it. like one week of it. One, so okay. It's pretty good so far. So clinic is just a lot of like steroid injections that you just watch like your preceptor do. Um, and then, so he specializes in shoulders and knees. So you just see shoulders and knees. Yeah. The whole day. You're like, I have knee pain or I have shoulder pain or my rotator cuff is like torn. Yeah. Like a lot of them are confirmed, you know, like with imaging. I like how straightforward it is yeah. because it's like you do all these like lift off, like Hawkins test, whatever. And then you look at the imaging or you're like, OK, let's order imaging so we can confirm what this is. 
um, and then go from there of how we want to do treatment. Mm -hmm. So usually like you do conservative treatment, like with injections or physical therapy. So we yeah. do a lot of referrals to physical therapy. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm glad. So yeah, I know. I was like, you should. I was Please like, let's do. go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, after that, if conservative doesn't work, then they do surgery. But yeah. some patients just can't stand the pain and they just want to you know, go straight to surgery. So that could be an option sometimes. Gotcha. Um, and so I had two days of surgery this week. So the first day was like a lot of scopes on like the knee. So mm -hmm. I got to see that. So that was pretty cool. I haven't seen any on the shoulder yet, but I feel like that's going to be more confusing to look at. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, I don't, I don't know the orientation. Like what's this and what's that? Um, and then I saw like the knee replacements. That was really cool. Actually. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, I wish I could yeah. be in an yeah. OR and just... Yeah. Look at replacements. Yeah, because, like, um, a lot of my, I think, I don't know if it's a lot of my classmates, but I hear, like, you know, like, a couple that want to do ortho surgery. Yeah. Because, you know, like, they're just buff people. And I'm just, like, is that, mm -hmm. like, a stereotype? Like, I don't know. But yeah. they're, like, yeah, you hammer the, you know, like, what out of the bone? And I'm, like, really? So when I saw it this week, I mean, like, yeah, you hammer, but you don't, like, hammer, like, super hard because, you know, you don't want to break anything. Right. So that was pretty cool. And, you know, shaving part of the bone off and then putting on, like, the metal part. And then putting on a plastic part and then a metal part, like a sandwich. And yeah. For the knee. Gotcha. Basically. So that was pretty cool. Um, and I was like, wow. I was like, I can see myself doing this. Like, yeah. It's pretty fun. I, I like how direct it is, like OB-GYN, because it's like, you can, you most likely would probably have this or this as this as your diagnosis, probably. Like, when you start seeing the patient and thinking in your head what the differential is, I yeah. think it's just more direct. And I'm like, oh, it's pretty straightforward. I think I can do this. Like, yeah. not too bad. But Definitely. yeah, so I'm like, maybe in the future, but not like something right off. Right away. Like, I want to build like my skills first, like have a foundation of like overall before specializing. Gotcha. So you have, yeah. you just finished your first week. So you have three yeah. more. Yeah. Three more weeks left. Three more weeks. Oh, gotcha. The rotation goes by too fast. So. Yeah. yeah. So you sent me other specialties. I'm going to just mm -hmm. list them out. And at the end of it, I want you to let me know which ones you're most excited for. Mm -hmm. Or if there's any one of these that you want to give mm -hmm. any interesting facts about some misconceptions or mm -hmm. um, people may not know. Mm -hmm. um, so the rest of your rotations, you're going to have family medicine, mm -hmm. community medicine, plastic surgery, mm -hmm. urgent care, and psych. Mm -hmm. um, out of all those ones, which ones are you going to be, you know, pretty excited for? So I think like the most, I guess, like the one that I look forward to most is plastic surgery just because I feel like it's more hands-on. And then, um, so this rotation I'm gonna have like later on, the preceptor focuses more on like breast reconstruction. Mm -hmm. So I thought that's pretty cool. Cause you know, like when people think of plastic surgery, it's just the facial aspect, yeah. like the nose job, the, I don't know, like the Brazilian like butt lift or something like that. Yeah. But there are more to it. Like it's not just for like cosmetic reasons, but it's also for like medical reasons. Yeah. So. I feel like that's like the main conception about plastic surgery where everybody just thinks, oh, so I can look like Kim K or something like that. Right. But, you know, like it's, you know, that's not true. Like sometimes let's say like you got like a laceration like near your eyelid, you know, like mm -hmm. it's hard to just suture up and not have a scar, you know, like you want to go see. You know, or if someone even that. has burns on their bodies, yeah, burn team would go in, but also plastics would probably be consulted if mm -hmm. it's severe enough to yeah. where they would fit in. But yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I think... That's pretty interesting because it's a misconception that plastics is probably only facial features, yeah. but there's a lot of different things that they do, which is probably super interesting and keeps them, yeah, you know, keeps them going. I know. I was like, so plastics I is coming up. When do you do plastics? 
um, in September. So oh, okay, so pretty much closer to when you graduate. Yeah, and that's uh, my elective, so I don't have an exam, so oh, I can just enjoy it just and enjoy just learn. Um, and I want to know how they suture because, like you know, like plastic surgeons have, are really good at suturing to yeah. make sure you know there's less tension on the skin for less scarring. Yeah. So I want to know what the key to you know healing really. You know, oh, and that is to, yeah, you know. and that would make a big difference because. Um, you know, if you do something wrong and it doesn't heal the right way, yeah. someone will not yeah, be happy. Yeah, and that's why, like, you sign papers, you know, you're like, okay, well, if this happens, this happens. Yeah. Like, that's how, you know, different clinics protect themselves, so regardless of the specialty. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. So these are some other specialties that you're not going into, but some of your other classmates are going mm -hmm. into. Um, if you hear one of them and want to talk about, a, about it, just let me know. But the rest that a PA student could do is vascular surgery, mm -hmm. general surgery, NICU, ICU, cardiology, wound care, endocrinology, neurosurgery, which is probably one of yeah. my favorites, yeah. dermatology, ENT, so eyes, nose, throat, mm -hmm. rheumatology, interventional radiology, mm -hmm. and pain management. Mm -hmm. Any one of those that you know sticks out to you in terms of, you know, as a PA student maybe watching this like okay this is a this is a cool specialty um so for like my cohort i or like just in general i think interventional radiology mm. wasn't like a very popular option but very limited but i think that's one of like the most hands-on rotations that everybody wants to do really just because like um like like a chest port or something like that you get to be hands-on and kind of like help with it or you can do half of it yourself or something because one of my classmates had it and she was able to do a lot like hands-on hands-on oh i did not know that yeah so i thought it was more so reading imaging and like taking yeah just taking imaging no that's, that's more like radiology just general like, radiology. Yeah, yeah. but like interventional is more like let's say you had to put something in and then like kind of like a drain mm. and then you know you need to use imaging to make sure you're in the right area for the drain and then put that in kind of like for like appendicitis kind of thing gotcha similar to that then you sometimes we might need like interme uh, interventional like radiology so like ir for short oh, okay or like depending on like sometimes like certain ones you would need those specialists to come in but it's like a very popular field right now is what i heard yeah um so i was like it's really good yeah and then neurosurgery too like oh man like, that's like, so interesting yeah, to me i love I neuro neuro yeah. is one of my favorites like our friend like francis he's like oh, yeah. i love it i was like i want to do this again so he might do this as like a second rotation again to add on yeah as like elective and he just said it's really cool to see yeah. i want to put that on my list but i'm like oh but there's only so much i can put on my list of what i could do so i just chose like ortho and plastic surgery on yeah but I, but i would want to do neurosurgery if i had an extra elective okay Gotcha. So. Nice. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of wrap it up in terms of, you know, PA. I want to ask this question, actually. Yeah, yeah. You know, as a student, maybe giving advice to someone who's wanting to go into school, mm -hmm. why should someone pick PA school versus MD? So I think it's like a personal preference. So you had to think about your personality, what you want to do with your life, what your interests are. So like for me, when I want to do PA school, it's because I felt like it worked with my personality and like it just goes well. Like, I don't know. For some reason, I'm just like, oh, I feel like I, I like doing this. And it's like a team like effort. And I really like working in a group and collaborating. I don't just want to fly solo because yeah. I'm like, 
it's gonna be lonely out there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I really like that aspect, and you can just work with so many different people. Mm-hmm. And I like you know being able to do that because everybody has a different work ethic, and you can take away from that. Yeah. And so yeah, the learning style, you're just able to constantly like learn, like as mentioned before, and then just basically venture out to see what suits you, um, and that flexibility for like different specialties you can go into. Yeah. Um. I think the work-life balance is really important, but I think like the num- number one thing for me was like it just worked. I just felt like it matches how I am as a person yeah. more than an MD is. Because also for me, like I like school. Don't get me wrong. I think just for me, I'm like, will I be able to handle that amount? You know, like a schooling plus residency and it fellowship you know it's like, years and years yeah, on top like of what I, you would be doing yeah i apl- i like applaud like all my friends that are going through med school you know about to you know start their residency um or you know like after that and then go into f- their fellowships like like that's you that's great like i just don't know if i can just focus on one field yeah for, like the rest of my life but definitely um i just think there's just so much out there that i just want to look into yeah so that's why um, but yeah, no, but like people that are like, you know, like want to be an MD or DO, they're great too. They probably have similar personalities to me. I just felt like, it just felt right. Like, you know how like mm-hmm. when you want to be like a PT, you're like, okay, this is like what I want to do. Cause you had that moment where it's like, wow, like this is like what I want. Yeah. It you was know? kind of an easy decision for me. Mm-hmm. It clicked right away. So, yeah. you know, I think not a lot of people um, get to experience that feeling where like, okay, I want to do this and this is it. Mm-hmm. Some other people, it may take them kind of a longer time to realize, mm-hmm. but it seems like you really enjoy, yeah. you know, wanting yeah. to become a PA. Yeah. I think everybody just needs to have that moment where it's like, okay, this is, I can see myself do this. Or you're like, okay, yeah, I want to do this. I think when you have that moment, like it'll be easier. So I think like for anybody that's confused, it's like, yeah, just shadow them, see what they are. Like, I know, like, a lot of factors play into it, you know, like, there are expectations out there, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, like, what do you want? Like, yeah. do you see yourself doing this in the long run? Because if you don't, then don't choose that, you know, because you don't want to regret it, you know, like, yeah. so you just want to think of everything and what works for you. This is cliche, but everybody's like, whatever makes you happy, but whatever makes you less stressed, you know, you know, thinking about the future oh, yeah. that you're comfortable with, that you like, you're like, okay, yes, like, I, you know, want to do this, then just go for it. Definitely. That's how I felt. I can kind of consider doing a medical doctor, Mm -hmm. but I thought about just the responsibilities and the amount Mm -hmm. of schooling. Um, And it's it's not like I probably wouldn't be happy. It's more so, you know, stress levels. Like you said, it's whatever is going to be less stressful, but still give you the -hmm. the satisfaction in life. Yeah. And then also like PA school is like shorter. So I feel like you're able to go out you know, in the community faster to mm-hmm. help patients. So that's what I really like. Like the schooling is shorter and it, it just gives me like, brings me a step closer to seeing my patients earlier, which is like something that I like too. Because yeah. I just want to be out there, be hands-on and learn more. Yeah. Like that's just what I like. So I'm just like, definitely yeah. like I love school, but I feel like I've been in school since I was three. So yeah. I'm like, I need to stop. <laughs> Spread those wings and I know, fly. I'm like, I'm like, I need to learn what it's like to be an adult, what it's like to be a provider and like, yeah. you know, like work on my life. I'm like, yep. Yeah. I'm, old. I'm close to being one year out of PT school. Mm-hmm. And during PT school, I kind of really liked it. You know, I love mm-hmm. studying. Yeah. I love spending hours studying. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm one year removed from it, I don't see myself wanting to like do it over again. Oh, really? Being yeah, a yeah. clinician is great. Mm-hmm. Like you, you get to actually work with patients that you love working with, mm-hmm. and you get to challenge yourself every day. So it's yeah. great. 
So you are close to graduation mm-hmm. this October. You're going to be graduating from Toro. Mm-hmm. What is life like after graduation for Sammy? Do you plan on, you know, applying for certain positions, certain mm-hmm. specialties? Do you want to stay in Las Vegas? Mm-hmm. What is life like? So after graduation. After graduation. Once October trip. comes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so let's talk about, I guess, like post-grad. So I'll take my boards like a week after, like, whenever my last day of classes. So I already bought, like, the exam and everything, like, the fee. Oh, my God, that was so much money. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, I already have my board set to take, like, the first week of November. And then afterwards, I'll be going on vacation. Let's most go. likely on the trip with classmates, hopefully. All right. We'll see how, because there's just so much to plan. You're, like, you don't know who's busy and who's not. So, yeah. we'll have a trip, and then I'll probably apply for jobs, like, near the end of my trip, just to, like, get it started. And then in terms of, like, what places I want to apply to, like, probably Las Vegas and, like, SoCal. Okay. And then go from there and see. Like, obviously, like, California is, like, expensive. But I feel like I have seen so much in California as well in the medical field that I feel like it's a good learning opportunity for me out there, too. So Mm -hmm. I would want to do either or whatever has a good pay, whatever has good benefits, honestly. Whatever seems like a positive vibe type of, like, clinic or, like, hospital, then I'll go to. Like, whatever, like, you know, you feel like you would... I guess, blend into, like, work well with others, basically, like, based on the atmosphere that you see. Um, and so maybe start looking for jobs around, like, January or so, since yeah. I'm graduating, like, end of Halloween-ish, like, beginning of November. Yeah. And then, you know, student loans are only, what, grace period of six <laughs> months. So I'm like, okay, I, I need to have a job before, like, March or something. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so I'm secured, you know. Right. Um, but between that, I think I would just relax. Hopefully I pass my boards. Yeah, you oh, will. Yeah. I, I know like, you will. Okay, You're very smart oh, and you. dedicated to your craft. So uh, I have no doubt about it. Yeah. Is passing rate pretty high for Toro? Um, I think usually like the passing rate for any program is like high 90s. Okay. Like that's like expected. So um, I think they changed the boards recently. Like, I don't know, like a year or two ago. So like the percentages kind of dropped, but it's usually around oh. like 95, 96, 97. And they try to encourage everybody to take it within like the first month after graduation. Because yeah. um, there's a thing where it's like the longer you hold it off, the more your, you know, um, score can lower, like one point a day or something. Right. Like that. That so makes you want to take it as soon as you can. Yeah. So we'll see. It's like a five hour exam for us. Yeah. How long was it for you? It was like four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah. But depends how long you take your breaks because mm-hmm. you have these optional breaks and you have mandatory breaks. Mm. And some people just go through the whole thing. Yeah. And then your mandatory breaks, I think it's like 30 minutes mandatory, Mm -hmm. but you can choose to do one minute of that or 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. I chose to do the whole 30, but yeah, those, those tests are very long. And just the idea of you taking a board exam where your license is on Mm -hmm. the line, where you either pass it and you don't, it's very nerve wracking. Did you guys find out like right after like what, like the tentative score is or? We found out probably within the, the next couple weeks okay and that time period was very stressful but any ways to cope with that (laughs) yeah yeah like with the waiting game like what what did you do i just hung around with a lot of friends family Mm -hmm. classmates Mm -hmm. um after the board exam me and my friends or my classmates really just Mm -hmm. went out and had fun yeah but just knowing that so with physical therapy the the board exam a lot of people say that you're gonna leave that exam feeling like you failed like oh, everybody yeah. says that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I left the board exam, 
I thought I failed. I was already looking at the next board exam. I was like, okay, I'm going to pay for this day <laughs> in a couple like, months. Maybe I should pay for this right now. Yeah, but yeah. the fact that it's pretty notorious for the PT board to mm -hmm. feel that way and majority of people pass, yeah. I already had that in me. And I was like, okay, even though I'm super stressed right now, probably I'm going to pass just like anybody. So yeah. it was kind of, it wasn't that hard to, mm -hmm. you know, kind yeah. of find my own groove and calm yeah. down afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, like once you go in, you're done, you're like, okay, I'm done. Let's just yeah. relax and wait. Yeah. yeah. I'm super excited for you to graduate and mm -hmm. kind of go on with, you know, your postgraduate life. Oh, thank you. Is there <laughs> anything else that you want to mention? Any advice for future PA students in order to be successful mm -hmm. through school? Um, I think like the most important part is having um, for like pre-PA students. Yeah. Is, like the clinical hours. The sooner you start getting your hours, like during undergrad, the easier it is for like their life when they apply. Because a lot of people, like, it, it's okay to k take gap years and stuff, like, if you're the type just to take your time. But if you, like, really want to, like, get ahead of the game, try to start getting more exposure and more hours um, in for patient care so that you'll have enough by the time you graduate to apply for school. And just at least having a lot will give you, like, a good, like, competitive edge in a way. It is getting harder these days. Like, it's hard to tell, like, just because you have these numbers doesn't mean you're going to get in. So, honestly, just, you know, trust the process. You know, like whatever you write on your essay, make sure it's all about you and why. Like what really, you know, sparked that interest in you. And like, yeah. like, why do you see yourself doing this? I feel like as long as you have the determination, regardless, you know, of how spectacular or how like you're wearing, like worried about your grades are, it's okay. Like at the end of the day, a program is going to be like, I want you, you know, like there, yeah. you'll be fine. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, it will all work out at the end. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. I think, yeah, just take it with time. Um... I think that's it, honestly. Yeah. Like, it really depends on the person and their experience. But I think as long as you get ahead of the game, know what classes you want to, you know, like, take to make sure you get into the program that you want to go to. Right. I think that's all there is since it varies so often. Mm -hmm. so, Do your research, yeah. be prepared, and yep. it will all work out. Yeah, it will all work yeah. out. Yeah. Well, thanks you for, you know, joining us.